Good morning. Today's reading is from Jeremiah, chapter 31, verses 29 to 34. In those days, people will no longer say, the fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. Instead, everyone will die for his own sin. Whoever eats sour grapes, his own teeth will be set on edge. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. Because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbour or a man his brother saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will give their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Thanks, Nev. Uh, this Vision Sunday, uh, as we reflect on ourselves as God's people, uh, in the light of that new covenant that uh, God promised those many years ago fulfilled in Jesus, I'm going to pray uh, that as we delve a little bit more into that, uh, that we might understand and take on board his word uh, more wholeheartedly. So, so let's talk to God. Gracious Father, thank you for the privilege of being able to meet together as your people and to hear you speak to us through your word. We thank you for your words that have been spoken thousands of years ago, and particularly uh, that word through your prophet Jeremiah. And we thank you that that word has found its fulfilment in the person of Jesus and through whom we know uh, you and those promises come to fruition. As such, help us now as we reflect on that reality and to be moved to be more wholeheartedly committed to you and your people. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may have heard it said uh, that people hate change. Yeah, people hate change. But I've heard uh, someone actually re- recently counter that idea, uh, saying it's not that people hate change, it's just that they hate changing to do things they don't want to do. Uh, which, funnily enough, is the problem uh, at the heart of life. Because uh, people don't want to do what God wants, generally. Now, in a moment of, moment of honesty, uh, the famous atheist, uh, Eldest Huxley, He explains why he didn't believe in God. This is what he said. For myself, there's no doubt for most of my friends, the philosophy of meaninglessness, that is atheism, uh, was essentially an instrument of liberation from a certain system of morality. We objected to the morality because it interfered with our sexual freedom. Huxley argued that there's no God because he didn't want there to be a God interfering with what he wanted to do. And this is the main reason... Many don't believe in God or practically live like he's not there. Not because of some robust intellectual reason, but because they just don't want what he wants interfering with what they want. Uh, It's less a cool intellectual decision as an attitude against God. It's a matter of the heart, a matter we all suffer with to one degree or another, a matter that God actually uh, knows about and is keen to clear up with what's called the New Covenant, 
which he spoke about thousands of years ago, as we read earlier, from the prophet Jeremiah. So this morning, as we think about this year and our hopes as a church family, uh, we're going to look at this new covenant theme a little bit more closely. Now, firstly, we are God's new covenant people, and that as such, we're free to try new things in Christ's service. So, first up, God's new covenant people. Now, a covenant, it's a fairly uncommon word, we don't use it that often, but a covenant is a bit like an agreement or a treaty or contract between two parties. It's where promises are made and often symbols or signs are used to ratify the binding nature of the covenant. So, a covenant that I'm sure we're familiar with is the marriage covenant, right? At a wedding. At my wedding, uh, Mags and I, we promise to love each other to the exclusion of all others through good times and bad until death do us part, part and uh, we entered into a marriage covenant. And although I'd forgotten my ring and I had to use the photographer's, photographer's ring, which was a metal skull ring, <laughs> as a stand-in, uh, Megs and I, nonetheless, we sealed the marriage covenant, covenant by giving each other wedding rings. Fortunately, most of the photos were blurry, so you don't see the skull ring. Well, in the same way, God made a covenant with the ancient Israelites way back. After he saved them from slavery in Egypt... Uh, which was kind of like the courtship of his relationship with them, and then he formally enters into a covenant with them. Uh, we read about this in the book of Exodus, in Exodus chapter 19, where, we, where we're told, in the third month after the Israelites left Egypt, on the very day they came to the desert of Sinai. After that they set out for Rephidim, they entered the, uh, the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain uh, where God had uh, gone to. Now, then Moses went up to God on the mountain and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, this is what you are to say to the house of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you'll be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you are to speak to the Israelites. Uh, When Moses went and told the people all the the Lord's words and laws, they responded with one voice, uh, everything the Lord has said will do. Moses then wrote down everything the Lord had said. Then he sent young Israelite men and they offered burnt offerings and sacrificed young bulls or fellowship offerings to the Lord. Moses took half the blood and put it in the bowls, in bowls, and then the other half he sprinkled on the altar. And then he took the book of the covenant and read it to the people. Uh, They responded, we will do everything the Lord has said, we will obey. Moses then took the blood, sprinkled it on the people and said, this is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. So there's the old covenant. And in the old covenant, uh, God promises the Israelites uh, that to be their God, and they his special people, as they promise to fully obey him. And the covenant is then ratified uh, by blood, or with blood. That's the uh, kind of the marriage ring, so to speak. The sign and the seal of the covenant deal. But as the rest of the Old Testament uh, goes on, the Israelites are actually unfaithful. 
they don't keep their promise to fully obey, obey, obey God. Some are okay, but on the whole they're a dog's breakfast. And God runs out of patience with them. And so after a few hundred years, it all ends in tears. Uh, with God withdrawing himself and his blessings from them, he sends the nations around about them to plunder them and take them away. But it's actually at this point, when they've been taken away and they're miserable and in exile, that God's love is rekindled. And, and he makes some new promises through the prophet Jeremiah for a new covenant with his people. But unlike the old one, there's no if clause. You may have picked that up as we were reading it earlier in Jeremiah. In this new covenant, verse 33, God says, I will put my law in their minds. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God. They will be my people. They all will know me, verse 34. I will forgive them. I will remember their sins no more. Can you see this new covenant? It's all on God. It's unconditional. There's no if. He promises to do these things for his people. There is no if that uh, they, if they do this or that, that God will keep his end. No, it's all on God. He even promises that their desire to obey him, that's on him too. He promises to make it so that his people know him and want to do what he wants. And not just some of them, all of them. You know, unlike the Israelites back then, those chosen by God now to be his people, they'll know him and they'll want to do what he wants. This is the newness of the new covenant. That all God's people will have a genuine, loving relationship with him and that it won't depend on the faithfulness of their parents or their ancestors. But, like the old covenant, the new one is ratified by blood too. Not by the blood of bulls or goats, but by the blood of Jesus, shed on that cross to pay for people's rebellion and their indifference towards God. And those who accept that payment for them, who are sprinkled with the blood of Jesus, so to speak, enter into this new covenant with God and they are given the Holy Spirit to dwell in their hearts, to know him intimately and then to genuinely want what he wants. And this is something all those who have accepted Jesus' crucifixion as the sacrifice for their sins know, to one degree or another. As the Apostle Paul says elsewhere uh, in Romans chapter 8, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, himself testifies with our spirit, all those who trust in Jesus, that we are God's children. That is, the Spirit makes us know God personally and intimately as Father and as his children to call on him as such, as, to call on him as Dad, Abba. But the Spirit also moves us to want to live God's way, not out of terror to escape God's punishment, not out of fear of letting others down if we don't, not out of some begrudging obligation, but out of a genuine love for our Heavenly Father. And to that end, the Spirit moves us to put to death those things in our lives that we know he doesn't want. The Spirit moves us to want to do what pleases him more and more. People of the New Covenant, then, are those who trust in Jesus' forgiveness and by the Holy Spirit want to obey God. Now, this New Covenant idea was a, a real struggle for some of the first Christians because they were all Israelites, they were all Jews. They were all used to the Old Covenant the if part. You know, if we do this or that, then things will be good with God. 
then we'll truly be God's special people. And so they got stuck on doing some things. They thought you need to do, obey certain commands of God, like getting circumcised or not eating certain foods to be God's special people. But they were stuck between the old and the new. Uh, the old way of how they've always done it and the new way of the Holy Spirit. And it's not that the old ways were bad. God's laws were and are good. It's just that doing them came to be, mean more than they should have in their relationship with God. That the mark of a genuine relationship with God, of being God's special people, was based more on what they thought they should do for God than on what God had done for them in Jesus and is doing in them by the Holy Spirit. And like them, when it comes to being God's new covenant people, this might be a struggle for us too. We might think that doing things a certain way is what makes us God's people, what keeps us together and in a genuine relationship with God, when in actual fact it might be the way we've always done things or how we've done them in the past or what we're comfortable with, that these have come to mean more than they should in our understanding of what it means to be God's people. When in truth, it's what God has done in Jesus for us and is doing in us by his Spirit that makes us God's new covenant people. If you're trusting in Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in you and you'll know the desire to do what God wants. It might be weak and infrequent sometimes, but it just won't go away. I'm sure you know this. It'll be like something, it's something like the desire to eat or sleep. We might ignore those desires or abuse them for a time, but they just won't go away. And we'll be healthier and happier if we just sensibly go with them. Uh, the same is true with the desire to do what God's want, God wants. We'll be healthier and happier if we just go along with the Spirit working in our hearts to do what God wants us to do as his new covenant people. Which brings us to our second point. Trying new things. Importantly, the New Testament book of Hebrews quotes Jeremiah's new covenant promises in a couple of places. They seem to stand like lifeguard flags to kind of highlight what's said around them uh, to show us the safest place to swim as God's new covenant people. The first flag is from chapter 8 in Hebrews and marks out how Jesus is the fulfilment of this new covenant. He, we see Jesus is the perfect sacrifice to bring forgiveness to God's people once and for all, and we see Jesus to be the perfect mediator between God and his new covenant people. The second flag that Jeremiah's new covenant promise is quoted uh, is in chapter 10 of Hebrews, after which we're told what it means to be new, God's new covenant people. It means to have confidence to enter into God's presence by faith in Jesus, to draw near to him, being assured that we're totally forgiven by him, that our guilt is no more, that he has declared us right with him now and forever, and to hold fast to this because he who has promised is faithful. And that in the light of all this new covenant goodness, to consider how we may spur one another on. As Hebrews chapter 10 from verse 24 says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching, the day that Jesus returns. It's interesting that to do the let us consider thing, in a sense, already is already a working out of the new covenant. 
After all, God said through Jeremiah, I will put my law in their minds. The Spirit is at work in our minds. Thinking about how we spur others on in love and good deeds is the work of the Spirit. So if you haven't seriously thought about how to spur others on in love and good deeds this year, to spur your brothers and sisters in Christ on, and you claim to believe in Jesus, it might be that you're resisting the Holy Spirit. And notice, it's not what you've done in the past, it's how you may spur others on. It's what you could do this year, even. Now, this might be a new thing for you to do, to deliberately think about how you can serve But as God's covenant people, we'll want to try this something new. What's more, it looks like something that we'll think about together. You know, it's let us consider. Not let me think about it and get back to you, but us thinking about it together so that we might be of one mind. To think about it in consultation with our brothers and sisters in Christ, the rest of God's people. We'll be asking others... How may I spur others on towards love and good deeds? If we're not looking to chat with people in our church family about how we might spur others on in our love and, and in love and good deeds, about how we can serve our church family in one way or another, it might be that we're resisting the Spirit. Let's instead go with Him and consider with others how we might serve this year, which might be a new thing for you. But as God's covenant people, we'll want to try this something new. Maybe look around our church family, find those who are serving in one way or another, those who seem to love and do good deeds well, those ministry team leaders who lead kids' church or youth or English as a second language classes or the tech ministry or the playgroup or our growth group leaders or those who are welcoming or service leading or in music and singing and be provoked by their example. Maybe even provoked by their words as they approach you and encourage you to serve. Let the Spirit spur you on through them, particularly as we meet together as God's people. As Hebrews says, Uh, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, a key way to not be God's covenant people is to give up meeting together. Notice it's not those who aren't able to meet with God's people, those who'd love to but just can't because they're sick or infirmed. It's those who give up meeting together, which clearly can become a habit. But to turn up regularly in the flesh, week in and week out, during good times and bad, is what God's new covenant people do. If you've given up on regularly meeting with God's people on a Sunday, where we not only get to spur each other on towards love and good deeds, but regularly take the Lord's Supper together, as we will in a moment, can I suggest that you are resisting the Holy Spirit? and that you stop it. And get along to church week in and week out. Because just regularly turning up, that is an encouragement to others. And the same is true for growth groups. Our small groups 
that meet throughout the week in various places and at different times to study the Bible together and support each other. If you're not in one of those groups, in a growth group, or you have been and you were put off for whatever reason, it might be worth asking yourself, how am I regularly encouraging God's people outside of Sundays? How am I regularly encouraging people, God's people, outside of Sundays? And consider getting into a growth group, not firstly for your sake, but for others. Now, this may be a new thing for you this year, maybe just in that it's uncomfortable and a little inconvenient. You're too busy or you're too bored. But as God's covenant people, we'll want to try this something new. Because we're God's new covenant people, we want to spur each other on towards love and good deeds. And so to that end, there's going to be a few new things that we're going to try as a church this year. This term, even. As you've already heard from South, regarding creche at this service at Nyame. We're also looking to try some new things in kids' church and in the two services and in growth groups. Please be asking me or Jamie or the elders, or any of the ministry team leaders about them, or any who work in and help out in them, uh, about those ministries and those things, so that as God's new covenant people, keen to do what the Spirit is moving us to do, we might be willing to step up and serve, and, and maybe even try something new. What I've noticed is the older I get, the harder it is to get good sleep. Am I alone in this? No, I didn't think so. Much, I'm sure, is just down to bad sleeping habits. But what I've noticed is it's a lot harder to keep up a bad sleeping habit, like being on a screen when the lights are off, uh, when you've got someone next to you saying, what are you doing? (laughs) The trick for me is not to get annoyed at that person or at the question uh, or to ignore it and hope they go to sleep. But to take it for what it is, an act of love, to save me from myself. Which is a bit like being God's new covenant people. We know God. We know his astounding love for us in Jesus. And so deep down, by his spirit, we want to do what God wants, right? But we might be tempted to get annoyed by being told to do so and to ignore it. But today, let's recognise the work of the spirit Uh, in our hearts, cultivating us what we really want to do what God wants. It's so great that the kids can come and join us now as we are going to be doing the Lord's Supper in a minute. Let's, Let's let the Spirit cultivate in us what we really want, and that's to do what God wants, and give ourselves over to trying something new for him in the life of our church family, whether that's staying in some ministry Staying in a ministry that you're already involved with, but doing it with a better attitude. Maybe that's the new thing for you. Or engaging in the mandatory BTS training in a couple of weeks so that we're able to step up into a ministry when needed, as opposed to using it as an excuse to dip out during the year while I haven't done BTS. Or stepping into something that we don't feel confident with, but see that there is a need. Or stepping into something where our gifts can be better used. Or stepping into something where we don't need any particular gifts other than willingness to help out. Whatever it might be, let's keep in step with the Spirit, the Spirit in us, and try some new things to serve Jesus and each other this year 
as God's new covenant people in his church here. And to start off the rest of this year, it's cool to think about that, right? Now is the beginning of the rest of the year. As God's new covenant people, we're going to do the Lord's Supper together. And the kids from Kids Church, they're here to join and sit with their family to join in with this too. Now, the Lord's Supper is something that might be old, that we've done many times before, even last week, but something that confirms our status as God's new covenant people, people who are willing to keep in step with the Spirit and so want to do what God tells us to do together, even uh, if they're new to us. As the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 11, 11, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. As we do the Lord's Supper together, as we drink the cup, we're taking part in the new covenant. We're binding ourselves afresh to the God of Israel, who's bound himself to us with promises. Promises to always be our God and we his people. Promises that will know him intimately and know his complete and utter forgiveness. Promises in this new covenant that have been ratified, that have been made official and binding by the sprinkling of Jesus' blood on that cross for us. And it's for all those who are baptised and confessed faith in Jesus, and this includes children who are baptised and whose believing parents or guardians can affirm that they've confessed faith in Jesus. So every time we do the Lord's Supper together, as God's new covenant people, young and old, we might be doing an old thing, but we, we're to do it with a view to the new, to the fact that we're proclaiming together the saving benefits of his death until he comes again. This is a remarkable thing. It's not just me or anyone on stage here who gets to talk about Jesus and proclaim the goodness of what he has done. In the Lord's Supper, we all do it together. We all do it together. And as we do this, we open up a space in this old age, in the here and now, that's full of the new age to come. That's full of possibility in living the new life that we have in Jesus by the Spirit here and now as we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Or as the writer of Hebrews put it, as we read earlier, we encourage each other all the more as we see the day approaching. So... As the first of new things to do in this year for God as his new covenant people, as we take part in the Lord's Supper now and remember Jesus' life and death for us, let's be moved by the Spirit to try other new things this year as well as we look to obey Jesus. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it. Then he gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. 
This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the meal, Jesus took the cup. When he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's talk to God. Father God, may our vision for this year as your new covenant people be shaped by your vision for us in the Lord's Supper. Grant that as we savour Jesus' sacrificial blood shed for us to save us and his victorious resurrection from the dead to make us right with you, that your spirit move us to want more and more what you want and to be willing to try serving you this year in new ways in the life of your church family here for the encouragement of our brothers and sisters in Christ and for your sake and glory. Amen.